to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoteric Nerd Podcast, Episode 87, in which I interview Jody Willie, producer and director of the Source Family documentary. But first, transformation. For those of you who are new to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast, this is the segment in which I read my father's book, Transformations, which he wrote in 1976. The footnotes afterward are where I talk about what I just read. This is Transformations by John Dan Reed, Chapter 3, Verse 1. Dark November. Wind whistling through the being trees. Night hawk dark, moon down. Dancing through graveyards, I cloud drift past this flesh place. Going to meet them is like walking into a party full of smoke. They drift up to me, intensely remember my name. Shadows spread with confetti light and blurred music from the others in the background. I intensely remember their names. We intensely talk, for these ones don't message except through talking, though their talking drifts in and out of thought streams and images conveyed almost like messaging. The intensity is joyous or sad or both, or something very much else which gets stuck somewhere out there beyond words that make any sense in the flesh place. It's all terribly logical and significant where they are, though. Verse 2. Some of them want me to bring messages back to the flesh place. I tell them that I cannot do more than they do by intending the messages. They do something like laugh, remembering that they are here, not there wherever here and there are. They don't exactly forget, they just reside within undifferentiated memory. Except when I think it's going to stay that way. Then, very often, it becomes like crystalline steel and electronics and super systems of cybernated technology and spaceships. Verse 3 Being there is a lot like being here, in that there are things you and I take for granted here, called agreements, and things you and I take for granted there, called other agreements. The experience of the agreements becomes more than a taking for grantedness when you and I remember that we've been waiting over there before for opportunities to find various colors of landing lights and fly back in to flesh place birth here. He was always talking about other levels, meeting people on other levels. It's interesting about the landing lights. I imagine being in a holding pattern, looking for the particular light that matches the karmic signature. Our guest tonight is the producer and director of the Source Family documentary, so we'll be discussing that, the Unarius Academy of Science, as well as cults, communes, and metaphysical groups in general. And so, without further ado, let's get to that interview, shall we? Welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. I'm glad to be here. And we've got, what's the name of the dog just for the audience? We've got Maddie. That's Maddie. So Maddie's going to be interrupting every now and then. Yeah. But that's okay, because we love her. <laughs> we'll just let her. We've got the ambient sounds of Pasadena on a spring afternoon. Palm trees and oak trees and various trees. Mm, flowers. I think uh, the thing you're most known for these days is the Source Family documentary, but you were also involved in the book as well that 
the documentary that preceded the documentary. I was, yeah. The, my, my journey with the Soros family started with the book, mm -hmm. and that was something that um, we, uh, that I put together with Isis Aquarian, mm -hmm. and Electricity Aquarian had helped her put together the first um, self-published version of the book, and mm -hmm. then I um, came, ac well, I came across the Source family's music in 1999 uh, through this box set um, that Captain Trip Records put out, this Japanese psych label put out, that completely blew my mind, mm -hmm. and I didn't know anything about them. Um, there was nothing online, it was a big mystery. And then right around um, 2005, my, my former husband, Adam Parfrey, um, had been at Amoeba Records and um, on top of the classical you know, uh, CD section <laughs> was a student film on the Source family oh, cool. and he brought it home for me and I flipped out. I was so excited that there was something about them and then proceeded to to reach out to them. They had a website at that point and then Isis connected with me right away and said, oh, it's so funny you connected me just now. My brother Electricity and I have been working on this book for seven years and we just finished it. Oh, cool. So then we worked to expand that and provide a lot of context and just sort of rework it for a general audience. And, yeah. and it was through that um, that we uh, went on the road. You know, Isis took me on the road to meet a number of other Source family members, and mm -hmm. we interviewed them for the oral history parts of the book and uh, filmed them. And then Isis um, let me know that she had this archive of fam family home movies. And when I found out about that, and she suggested, you know, that we, we film all of these interviews, I was just like, we have to do a documentary yeah, of this story. It's sure. just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So that was how it led to the, you know, the film. How cool. Yeah, it's been an incredible privilege, you know, getting to know so many uh, unique and um, uh, interesting, intelligent, you know, wise individuals who have such a you know, developed perspective on yeah. life and on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was interesting observing kind of what happened around the, the documentary. Uh, a lot of the original members coming together on Facebook mm. and reaching out, people who hadn't been in touch with anybody for decades. And, uh, you know, maybe who just felt a little strange about that period in their life, like they didn't want to think about it all that much, you know. <laughs> and then now seeing themselves up on the screen, you know. What was your experience with the uh, the screening of it and the people who, who well, the, came around? The events were really extraordinary and they started actually back when the book first came out mm. because we ended up getting a, uh, an article on the cover of the LA Weekly mm -hmm. um, when the book came out and uh, so we had our first event at the Cine Family where for the very first time we got together a number of Source family members who hadn't seen each other for decades and we got the band back together for the first time in 33 years. Wow. And so that happened at Cine Family. And when that happened, there were definitely family members telling me, well, you know, the last time I was in LA, they were, we were treated like Satanists. People mm. were like making fun of us. They were mocking us. So they were really hesitant to get on stage and do yeah. Q and A's. And I said, believe me, <laughs> there is a younger audience who is totally fascinated um, by what you what you did back then and who you are and, and you're going to be welcomed with open arms and yeah. they, they truly were then and so we had that event at the Cine Family and then we had a big show at the Echoplex the night the night after with Sky Saxon and the Seeds and the Entrance Band you know which is this new or you know a, a more contemporary um, psych band in LA and mm -hmm. the band's Hecuba and there were like 700 people there and so that that kind of eased the Source wow. family the former Source family members into um, you know, uh, feeling free to to show up and ex and and just start to to begin to reassess their experience. I think some of them just really had no context at all for the experience, and so for decades they were just left to process it either on their own or privately with other family members. Some people hadn't even told their spouses they were wow. in the group, and so. Um, that to me was one of the greatest like gifts of being able to put the work out was um, being able to present it historically, which gave more context and sort of you know honored the experience. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted yeah. to honor the experience for all its like blessings and flaws, 
and try to present it, you know, as fairly as, as I could with my co-director, Maria yeah. Demopoulos. Yeah. Very cool. One thing that struck me at the time was that you'd, I, I can't think of a previous documentary about a cult in modern times that wasn't just totally dark and negative, like the Manson family or something like that. And so this was, and it seems like it was the beginning of it because there's been movies since then that have come out that have, have explored the these kinds of topics from a more objective and a more kind of balanced and even approach. So I, I, I that was something that really struck me about the movie. Well, it's very gratifying to hear that and to hear that you've seen things come out since then because that was a very specific intention, um, mm. really starting with the book, you know, because with the book, you know, reading what ISIS and Electricity had put together and then getting to know, getting to meet so many Source family members and being blown away by what incredible people they were and getting to meet their kids, you know, getting to see how they live, spending the night in their homes. I really, you know, I realized that my first impression of them, you know, back when I saw the, the box set back in 1999, mm -hmm. And I was just in a totally different headspace then, too. I think it was like the late 90s, you know. I was like, whoa, you know, who is this creepy, wild right. cult of gorgeous people <laughs> yeah. who made these incredible <laughs> albums with the best record cover art of all time? But I didn't know anything about them. But then once I got to know them, I was just like, whoa, these people, like, I have a lot to learn from these people. Like, yeah. they've experienced something that most people never experience and it's given them this like spark in their eyes like yeah. I want to know where that spark is coming from and what it means and so 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 I wanted to present that fairly you know and also I, I always you know I you know I really came of age like in the 90s when um, you know there was this transgressive subculture kind of ruling uh, alternative culture the counterculture people were really into Manson right. you know when they think of cults people you know people were into Manson they were into Jim Jones and and really when most people think of cults they think of the bad cults right. and but David Koresh and you know, Koresh, yeah. oh, poor David Koresh. <laughs> and, um, you know, and for me, like, having researched these groups for, you know, maybe 20 years, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like, a, I'm, an, I'm not an expert, but I'm an enthusiast for yeah. sure, you know, yeah. <laughs> hardcore. And, and after meeting so many of uh, the group members and then also getting to know the works of scholars like Timothy Miller and Robert Elwood and Gordon Melton, who have really paved the way for um, new ways to think about these groups, um, you realize, like, once you really explore that work and you meet the people, that the people, like, the groups like the Mansons and Jim Jones are exceptions to the rule. Right. Like, there have been utopian groups and cultic groups that have existed throughout time, all the way back to, like, Pythagoras, mm. but, but they're very American also. You know, we've had these American groups like oh, the yeah. Shakers, and um, the Theosophists, and so many groups who have actually impacted our culture in very interesting ways. And these scholars um, think of these groups as being oftentimes um, groups that help to, um, they help, they help, they help uh, to encourage cultural renewal. Mm. <laughs> so at times when our culture is like falling apart at the seams, where truth is just meaningless because there's so much hypocrisy yeah. in the government, in institutionalized religion, there are high levels of economic disparity. This That's not happening for the first time now. Right. You know, that happened back in the 60s and 70s, happened back in the 30s, it happened in the 1890s, it happened in the 1840s. And, you know, back in the 1840s, for example, you know, there were many communes, like socialist communes, radical spiritual communities happening across the country. And what they provided were, they provided structure and a sense of community and leadership for people who were not happy with the status quo and who were interested in exploring more um, holistic, spiritual, natural, egalitarian ways of living. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That reminds me, um, did you want to talk a little bit about your upcoming project? Yeah, sure. Um, about... Uh, these sorts of things. Well, I'll just let you. Um, do you want to say what it's called? I don't know how much you want to say about it. Well, at this time. I'm going to be a little bit mysterious okay. about it right now because uh -huh. we haven't um, sold it yet. But okay. we're in we're uh, in in uh, deep in development. Uh, I'm deep in development with some partners. Um, 
working on a new television series mm -hmm. and um, and this is a series where I don't want to reveal too much of it but what I will say is that it's a series that is based upon what I was just talking about how there have been these groups in America they're very American groups um, of people groups and sometimes individuals visionaries you know who uh, are willing to radically commit themselves to building a world that they want to live in and oftentimes this is a world that is um, you know uh, very different from or even opposed to mainstream culture mm. and that results uh, a lot of times in these groups being misunderstood branded as cults you know right. the fact that cult is you know has negative connotations as a result of uh, you know mainstream cultures issues with these groups and their power yeah. you know their ability to to provide people with meaningful lifestyles that mainstream culture doesn't offer and so what I'm what I'm looking for and I've already got a bunch of them already who I've you know got relationships with but I'm looking for individuals and groups across the country ideally who um, have a uh, land or a setting where they live um, and it could be in the city or in the country um, but I'm looking for like dynamically visual settings yeah. ideally now they don't have to be living communally but at least maybe they've got a temple somewhere where they congregate on a regular a regular basis something unusual yeah something unusual and something potent you know mm. something really dynamic um, and that they have uh, you know belief systems practices points of view really like com compelling points of view about um, where our society is right now where it's headed and the alternatives um, that they're interested in exploring mm -hmm. you know or they're exploring so yeah. that's that's what I hope to you know achieve with this series um, and, and and I have a group of people who are really who appreciate the point of view of like the Source Family documentary, the Unarius short, and, and the work that um, gives respect to these groups, which I think will make this show a different show for, than, than many other shows on television. Right. You know, so not we're not, yeah. them, well, not, we're not interested in that because it's yeah. so played out. Yeah. It's so cliche right now. You know, to me, there's just nothing more boring than you know Charles Manson <laughs> right like beating that dead horse right. again when he was so much less interesting than Father Yod for right. example yeah. who was actually been largely benevolent he was like a flawed man but but he was a lover you know everybody I talked to in the Thor's family says that he gave more than he took and that he really cared you know he really tried and yeah. that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in people Sincerity. including charismatic leaders but also egalitarian groups with no leaders right. who are who are really authentically exploring with some integrity and they can be totally flawed too I don't mm -hmm. I like that that adds interest you know yeah. but they're really trying to 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 grow and evolve and to make the world a better place you mm -hmm. know but doing it in very unusual ways yeah you know so if people like that are listening yes please contact me and you can reach me through Facebook that's probably the easiest way um, to reach out to me and um, I would love to speak with you and meet you from any part of the country anywhere just feel free to reach out you mentioned Unarius yes so the Unarius short we premiered it last year in London at the horse hospital in July mm -hmm. and then we went and had a big premiere in Los Angeles nice. and and I should say that you know what I like to do with this work um, you know with the source family and with Unarius is I like to create um, projects like the documentary with Unarius it's a short film we've also screened their films which are totally mm -hmm. remarkable um, but I like to bring people together in events that combine both the filmic aspects but also like art exhibitions, music. You know, with the Source family, um, when the film came out, there were so many music fans who love Yahoa 13, the mm -hmm. Source family's band, and also the Spirit of 76 band. I mean, they've had many bands in the mm -hmm. Source family. But we had um, these incredible, like, younger musicians in six different cities form Source Family tribute bands. How cool. That performed amazing shows. Very cool. And so what I like to do is bring in uh, the younger audience, because those are the people I find who really seem to resonate most um, with the higher aspects of these groups. You know, they're really interested in the idealistic aspects, as, as well as, like, the more... Uh, 
you know, kind of wild aspects, the unconventional. They like they embrace both of those. There's, yeah. you know, they don't, they're not, they're they're not like um, programmed in the same way that you know kids who grew up in the '70s and '80s. Uh, and even the 90s, you know, were by, like, the uh, corporate media's um, countercult backlash, you know, that happened with Jonestown and the Manson family and Koresh, you know, because there was a very strong corporate backlash, basically, I think, mm -hmm. you know. It's, it's, it's like its own kind of brainwashing. Yeah. It's the kind of it's, brainwashing that affects like our... They don't It affects our whole country. Yeah. yeah, of course. Well, because they know that these groups are very powerful because... They allow individuals opportunities to access direct experience with whatever you want to call it, God, uh, other beings, and, and access these sort of um, ecstatic places that make people, that are so profound that they cause individuals who had previously maybe materialistic lives to just completely reassess right. their place in the universe and what is important to them. Yeah, And that's a very troubling for you know advertisers right yeah <laughs> for people who want to sell you same things. reason all psychedelics you know, are schedule one felony exactly yeah. they're so powerful in deprogramming you from mainstream late capitalist corporate culture yeah yeah and they're threatened oh they're very threatened and they so have been throughout time yeah. you know because yeah once the curtains lifted people are not the same again yeah you know and in ways that don't serve the needs of those people who are trying to oppress everyone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So Zarathustra wanted me to ask you about some of the more recent projects. You did a project with Omni. Yes, you know, well, Omni and I were, you know, oh, well, Omni and Isis and, um, and others, but uh, Omni and I worked together to develop the Source Family uh, story as a television series. Mm. And we were we had that project with HBO and a team of very talented producers and you know an Academy Award nominated director, but unfortunately that um, didn't quite pan out as these things often. Right. <laughs> That's how these things the often industry, develop. Yeah. Well, just you have to get so many things right, mm. you know. And for me, the most important thing, um, as I kind of feel like. Um, a responsibility, you know, to the family to represent members to represent it and as authentic a mm. spirit. And that's as hard possible. because you have a, a spectrum of people who have very passionate, strong feelings about how it should be represented, yes. and you're trying to make them all happy. Yeah, it's so that's so so that's right, and they're all really good people, but yeah. they have very different perspectives, and you know, um, so it it was a challenge to because the source family story is just so complex, you mm. know. And you have to be able to understand paradox. You have to be able to embrace paradox to really get to like the truth or the heart of any esoteric group, yeah. you know. But yeah. especially the Source family, and and so for me, um, you know, that's the most important thing. And if it never turns into a TV series, so be it. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's, you know, there are too many living Source family members who I respect and love, who you know. We'll, we'll look at something and be like, either that captures the spirit or it doesn't. And I find that the Source family members I've met are pretty flexible in general. Like, they don't, they don't mind if you express, you know, the ugly things that happened right. in the family because that it's happened. Part of the truth. It's part of, well, that's the thing, you know. I mean, you know, the Source family, Father Yod, like, he was, in, he was into embracing the totality, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, of the experience, you know. So, so they weren't trying to push the dark things under the rug like some spiritual groups do, right. you know. Yeah, light only. Yeah. yeah, yeah, repressing the dark. That's yeah, what happens. that's the that's, worst kind of dark well, often. That's how like, you get Jim Jones. You know, yeah. you've got leaders who just try to deny their shadow side, and then mm. their shadow side grows into this, like, huge demon, this huge monster that they have no control over. Right. And then really bad things happen. And I feel like that was the beauty about Father Yod, like, even though... And again, I wasn't there, but I but I have interviewed about 40 family members who have very different perspectives, mm. you know, and then different opinions on the film, too. You know, I know that, you know, Jen, you interviewed Jen, and he went through different stages, you know, of how he felt about the film and wishing there were more of the teachings in the film, which right. I totally understand. But there were other people who were like, you captured the spirit, you know. Mm. The, you know, the, some of Father Yo's wives were 
you know, they were like, you really captured a sense of humor. You know, you really captured a sense of outrageousness. <laughs> but I wish he would have captured more the love. Like, Aww. he was such a lover. So, like, for me, if there, if there was, you know, something I could change about the film, it would just be to, to have a little bit more of the love and a little bit more of his humor in there um, than we have in to sort of really emphasize that that aspect was dominant yeah. in the experience, yeah. you know, even probably though I, necessary. Yeah. It wouldn't, oh, it wouldn't yeah. have been what it was yeah. if it was just all serious. Yeah. I mean, you but, know. but then I talked to other people who were like, Oh, I totally got that from the film. And yeah. I mean, people who weren't in it, you know, people yeah. who were in other groups or people who have had spiritual paths, young people. They're like, Oh, I, he was, he's amazing. Like yeah. I want to be, him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they got the love, they got the humor. So it's just, you know, everybody's got their different opinions. For me, I just wanted to, uh, with my with my partner Maria, I just we just wanted to present a balanced version that that kind of reflected the overall balance of the points of view of the different people that we interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always fun to talk about this stuff because yeah. it's important stuff. I mean, just the larger themes, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious about your. <laughs> well, there Your is points the of view on this, you know. What, what did, I mean, what did you think when you when you saw it, and especially you as a practicing? I had already heard about. Mm -hmm. I mean, I my one of my students in the Golden Dawn had read the book, or you know, at least looked through it, and uh, told me about it. So that was my first exposure was hearing about it from her, and to me, it seemed very much in line with what I perceived to be one of my like callings or vocations in this life which is to help to um you know help to bring bring emphasis and education you know to and about things that aren't necessarily focused on in the mainstream or especially you know in education um mm. to to learn and to teach um the mysteries and to harmoniously find places where the East and the West, just to speak very generally, can be woven together. Now, specifically, I work with Golden Dawn Western Ceremonial Magic and Tibetan Tantric Buddhist uh, Vajrayana Buddhism. And from from my point of view, that's an interesting place to, to work. Not far from Father Yod's Not far at all, idea yeah. Of blending the East and the West, you know. Yeah. And also the, the idea of, like, spirit and matter being one. Yeah. 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 And yeah, a lot of the, the teachings, I mean, it also, I, you know, I need, I, I don't presume to teach what I haven't learned. Mm. Um, but I like that sex magic was a part of what he was doing. Mm -hmm. I have never presumed to include it in what I was doing, mm -hmm. except in very experimental ways with just me and one other person. Um, but from what I understand, he was teaching in a group setting. And it was, it had that same level of intimacy and trust and a kind of familial uh, environment that nobody, I mean, I mean, if, if somebody walked away from it feeling horrible and gross, I haven't heard about it. Everybody who, took, who part participated in those practices felt that they grew from it, felt that they learned from it, felt that they became more spiritual and more awakened to their divine nature and their, the, the unity between sexual and spiritual nature. And so to me, that seems very positive. Well, I will have to say that there are people I've talked to in the family who did feel uh, negative about it later and grossed out by it okay. and just didn't get it. But I think that that's not unusual. I mean, I right. think with any group, especially when you have 140 people yeah. in a group, you're going to get a spectrum of people who are either fully in it or right. who are kind of just like, well, I'm there because my boyfriend's really into it, or I'm yeah. there because, like, there are really sexy girls in this family, <laughs> and I want to be with them running around naked on the grass, you know? Like, there are all kinds of reasons people join the Source family, right. and so the people that I talked to who I think had the biggest issues with it later were the ones who were, um, who are either not really following much of a spiritual path right now, or following one that's just very different, you know, right. it's uh, very different, or they just, yeah, they're just, they're not, they, they were never fully into yeah. the practices, but stayed anyway, yeah. you know, 
There were some funny stories, and I don't know if you want to share them publicly, or maybe we could like bleep out his name. Oh yeah. About. <laughs> <laughs> because I was talking to him at work. I was working at the Screen Actors Guild oh, yeah. at the time that the documentary was coming out. So I was the one fielding the calls when he was all upset that there was that clip of him hanging from. But uh, he told that. me he was calling you. Oh uh, yeah. He, he threatened. Well, he yeah. he told me he'd already called and was yeah. And so oh. the the the, uh, the the higher ups at SAG were sitting me down and I was explaining the Source family to them and, and like they were like now how. Is this related to Scientology? I'm like, well, not very closely, but yes. <laughs> like, let me explain the family tree of cults in California and, exp and explain how the Source family is connected to the Church uh, of Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard wishes he was affiliated with the Source family. Well, very the indirectly. Source, the Scientologist. Very I, I, Source family had way fa better clothing. Fa Father Yod learned his tarot from indirectly from Paul Foster Case, who was Golden Dawn, and uh, L. Ron Hubbard uh, was was a student of Jack Parsons, who, who was initiate of Crowley, who was Golden Dawn. So there nice. you go. That's nice. the family tree of yeah. occultism. It's it loose and shaggy, Dawn. but it is a tree. <laughs> yes. And then landmark forums on there, too. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't say that. They're fine. Everybody's everybody's fine. Yeah, they're all I good. don't judge anyone. I mean, I've heard people get weirded out by that. And, you know, like... like someone was like yeah it was great they made me cry I'm like you know it's like that, that doesn't sound like great to everyone you know like but you know they what? really broke me down I feel like I have no ego left I'm like no thanks how it, much is it four hundred dollars I'll pass I know, you know you know it's so interesting about the landmark forum though because I do meet people who, I, who they're so heightened they love it when they talk about it they yeah. like it you can tell their vibration just like goes yeah. up and they talk really fast right. and they are like really they get super culty my, my super fast so I, oh, I you know yeah so yeah. so they my dad like made reference to Est for the rest of his life and he would teach me he made reference to the tone scale which comes from Scientology oh. and and he was teaching me based on the tone scale when I was seven wow. and and uh, and I learned a bunch of Est terminology so when I started talking to landmark people I already spoke their language but yeah. they didn't want to admit that they that they were totally derivative of, uh, of Est. That's so <laughs> funny. I mean the thing that bums me out about the landmark forum is that they're so obsessed with you recruiting your friends yeah. after you've taken the course and they're just so pricey and then they just have that kind of like sterile corporate environment like right there right. i mean i think i haven't been to them but i've heard about like, like where day. they have it it's like the early catholic church where it was all very evangelistic and sterile sterile <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know what i love any group that helps people break yeah. through and and understand There's themselves something for on a deeper level and everybody's got a different style that they yeah. resonate totally. with yeah. There's a yoga teacher who's famous for talking about how she likes to drink wine after yoga and she's not into Sanskrit or any of this, you know, nonviolence. You know, and it's like, okay, but you're a yoga teacher? Like, how does that work? And and so one of my teachers was saying she thinks that that's disgraceful, that, like, she should just be a physical fitness instructor and just leave <laughs> yoga alone. But But, I mean, my point of view is, like, no, there'll be people that resonate with that. Like, they'll, they'll be like, you know, I want to try yoga, but I'm not into a lot of hocus pocus. And is there someone who's kind of normal by my standards who teaches yoga? Okay, I'll take her class. And that'll be their step in. And then maybe exactly. from there they'll find their way to maybe more. Well, see, that's how I feel. And that's how I feel about the work that I do, too, um, with these groups, uh, like the Source Family and Unarius, is that... The work I create, I mean, I'm not a member of the groups, you know, I'm an outsider. But I like I, to be an outsider, too. <laughs> yeah, I prefer that, but yeah. I definitely really enjoy working. I, I like to work with groups I really enjoy and appreciate yeah. and respect, you know. But, um, but the work that I do is not, I mean, it's not necessarily for a strictly metaphysical audience. Like, I like to really to make work that um, can appeal to a broader audience, mm. including people like the, the wine-drinking yoga instructor right. who are unorthodox or who are just at their own you know, entry point of getting curious about spirituality mm. or anything like that. You know, my, my, like for me, like I feel like the messages and the work I do, it sort of like goes through the side door mm. a little bit. You know, it's, I'm not like trying to present any like worldview that people should adopt, but just, just tell incredible stories yeah. that, that inspire, oftentimes inspire people, hopefully, to, yeah. to open themselves to maybe new ideas or to at least um, have a new respect for, you know, belief systems and groups that they may not have understood or, or may have just dismissed before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even if they're watching it to see, oh, what are these crazy people yeah. You know, doing? Like, yeah, the crazy stuff's important. Yeah. Like, the crazy stuff yeah. is like the draw for a lot of people, yeah. but underneath 
what appears to be one thing is something totally different and that's what I really love revealing yeah you know with the work because these groups have such rich cosmologies and histories and social dynamics and you know I love that I uh, I work and teach yoga at, at the crunch that happens to be right there on Sunset Boulevard and just like a block away half a block away from where Father Yod, you know, oh, where, where the Source family was yeah. at the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, which is now the, what is it called now? It's that it Mexican a, chain restaurant. Something, yeah. It's like some sort of, I don't know, there's a big parking structure now, right, yeah. where that great parking lot used to be where the Source family would have their morning meditations. Everything the room, changes. The room where the studio was is still back there, I think. There, yeah. Well, the room where the temple was. Oh, so the right. Redwood Temple that Sunflower built with mm. no nails Wow. You know, it's all just solid wood. Um, it's still back there. It's like where the manager's office is now. Wow. And the original structure is still there. So that's cool. How cool. You know, right on the corner of Sunset and Sweetser. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. ISIS and electricity claim they can still feel the vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to, I walk by there sometimes before work and I'll stop and kind of look at the restaurant. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love those stories. What a potent time. I mean, you know, Nixon still being president and and Vietnam, you know, going on. And there was that one story. Oh, man, I don't remember specifically, but um, from it, it, about Father Yod being channeling the, the Kundalini standing outside. And everybody was like a few. I think it was the one one of the few times he had actually taken acid. They were oh. clarifying that it wasn't everybody on acid all the time. Uh -huh. But there was one time that, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to remember who it was that came up and touched uh, Father Yod while he was... Oh, Sunflower. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah, that was before the family, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I think that... You know what? I don't... There was no acid involved in that mm. moment. I mean, that's the Kundalini awakening that Sunflower claims he had when it was... Jim Baker was morphing. Okay. Oh, but right. He hadn't, and it was in front of the Source restaurant. Mm. And he touched his shoulder and just his Kundalini just, like, Wasn't shot it during a riot spine. or something? There was some kind of The craziness. Sunset Strip. Yeah, yeah, there was, like, the Sunset Strip craziness going yeah, on like yeah. there's a lot of stuff happening and, yeah and, and that's what i think yeah. of when i when i walk by and look at that restaurant as i see father yod out there and there's you know craziness going on all around yeah and well that's what i love about you know the source family and unarius and so many of these these groups is that there are extraordinary psychic experiences yeah. that group members will tell me and to me i mean i've experienced my own like crazy you know unexplainable psychic experiences so it's easy for me to believe those stories you yeah. know because they happen a lot to a lot of people but most people who haven't experienced them have no concept of what that is mm. you know when you have like an ecstatic experience or you have a moment where everything just you know disappears and you're somewhere else you know what i mean for a brief while or you know you see a ghost even yeah. you know something even like that is foreign to so many people it's hard for them to believe it or imagine it but but so many people were drawn to the source family and had these very meaningful like dreams where father yod would appear mm -hmm. or you know omni the aquarian had this like <laughs> very short man like who was this sort of like quasimodo type figure like following him on hollywood boulevard and touching him and this huge energy rush like came through his body and he looked at him and there was this big like energetic explosion behind him this is what omni told me mm -hmm. he tells it way better and the man said you've met the, the people you're meant to be with your life's going to be much happier now oh wow and that was right after he met the source family huh. so things like that just happened wow. to people and and i you know to me again it's just part of it's just another layer of like the richness that unfolds in these groups you know yeah that that just kind of enhances the cosmology and, yeah you know yeah it seems like th on a certain level things were so cool that you know they had to come in and crush it with like a lot of reagan and, you know uh, well you know i think <laughs> also i mean to be honest like you know i you know i find 1973 to be like my favorite year when i mm. look at like really wild groups you know a lot of people were having visionary epiphanies back then like various leaders of like small time groups mm -hmm. a lot of people thought they were jesus in 1973 <laughs> um which is interesting yeah. like what was happening mm -hmm. why did everybody think they were jesus like yeah. was there some kind of you know matrix coming into our planet or i don't know energy thing i who the heck mm. knows but there was so much kind of 
you know, people like groundbreaking on, you know, Funkadelic was like hitting its stride. David Bowie, you know, was really getting so weird and uh, incredible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think it all ended when, when like the summer of love was over. But mm. to me, I feel like some of the most wildly experimental, deeply like spiritual and occult stuff was happening like between 69 and 75. Interesting. But then in 75, there seemed to be some kind of a, peak and you know or I don't know I mean it was a bunch of things you know like cocaine I guess became more available you know it was started to be like distributed in mass you know so more people were doing cocaine which can really you know um, it can be a, a real buzzkill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can start, you know, can be the cause of many bad songs and, mm. uh, you know, like delusional <laughs> ideas that don't really help yeah. help you as an artist or in other ways. But uh, but anyway, yeah, stuff happened and it just seems to have started to decline. Mm. You know, like that that like period of ideas and creativity. And of course, this is like when Silicon Valley thinkers were all like formulating mm. their ideas so it wasn't just like in music and film it was in the tech industry yeah. it was in it was in um you know it was the time when the head of whole foods was like living in a vegetarian co-op you know what i mean people were really experimenting with different ways of living yeah but yeah i think it started declining in 75 and then by the time reagan came people mm. were just done with that cycle my parents were uh studying paranormal research at ucla which mm. was uh funded <laughs> at a public college wow. um, uh, up until Reagan came in and shut that down. So that's yeah. like the true story behind Ghostbusters. It's oh, like <laughs> they, yeah. they, they, they were being funded to do all that paranormal research, you know, psychic stuff. And yeah. Then they got kicked out and had to go off on their own and go become commercial. the Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so weird. I watched Ghostbusters a year ago for the first time in ages, and I felt it to be such a, like... Republican mm. fascist film. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, they're really dissing, like, the EPA. Like, right. it's, it's sort of like a bunch and of. They're It's sort of like Steve. EPA Bannon. and their power. No, it's seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they're very. They're very capitalist, the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like, they're not just. Bummed, they're not bad. bummed out that their funding went away from UCLA. They're yeah. like, we're gonna get rich and make. We're gonna do it with these people. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. It kind of took a little joy out of it from, that's true from the first time i saw it when i was a kid you yeah know? that that makes sense yes it's very right wing <laughs> but they used to study haunted houses and go there and take your parents did yeah wow. and do research that's and, so cool yeah. did they ever deal with um uh especially coming from like the tantric background did they ever deal with any like house cleansings like yeah like psychopomping spirits out of houses my dad would do that i got into that oh. a little bit later they were mostly just getting to know them you know kind of like check in mm -hmm. like oh hot spots cold spots yeah. communicating yeah um there was one house in particular that i guess was the most haunted one that they worked with which was just off of franklin and and uh western like right there where las Feliz becomes western yeah. so you make a ride on franklin right at the first street right at the sec right at the next street and there was a house on the left mm. and my mom showed it to me from the outside and to see if any if i got any vibes and uh, maybe i did but <laughs> but uh but she was telling me about how when they they were trying the key yeah. and the key wasn't working and then the door flew open and a deck Whoa. of cards hit them in the what? face. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. just like that was how they were introduced. That's incredible. Then they went in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a remarkable experience. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to hear about that stuff secondhand. I bet. But I mean, you know, there was always a little somewhere in the back of my mind, like, I think my parents are crazy. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. well, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Yeah, but it is interesting, isn't it, how this, this like, cycle seems to be coming around again. Like, you think yeah. about Nixon getting elected in 68, you know, so he came into office in 69. And when you think about what was going on politically before then, mm. with all of the um, racial tensions and the women's rights and Vietnam, you know, the, all those situations. Can you imagine how disheartening it must have been for so many people that Nixon got elected right. in 68 and I how apocalyptic that might have felt? familiar right about now. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, with Obama in there, like, the, the, the progressives were thinking, this is great. Okay, now we just need to get more progressive. Like, they were wanting to, like, take the, the corporate monster out of this you know, this Obama-type hero that seems to have taken over and then move on with Bernie Sanders, maybe. Yeah. And then we ended up shooting ourselves in the foot over here on the left by arguing about whether it could be, should be Hillary or Bernie. And yeah. then 
and then sure enough they just evil took over but it was the same kind of thing like the it's like the huh. it's freaky you know and well, it is freaky. and now that's falling apart i mean it seems to be falling apart looking at what trump's doing he's just handing things to russia and well, being overt about it and firing the guy who was investigating him and everybody sees him doing it totally and i think there were a number of people um like people i know who are deeply spiritual people and also people like art bell who are mm. big trump supporters mm. Yeah. I didn't realize he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who, who believed that, you know, he was the only candidate besides Bernie mm. uh, who wasn't bought and sold by the corporations, right. by corporate interests. And there's maybe some truth to that. Right. You know? Except that he is the corporate Except he interest. is. And yeah. that was my, that's what I was telling my friend. I was like, he's a Trojan horse. Right. Like, don't you see? He's like presenting himself as this, you know, firebrand who's not owned by anybody, but then he's you know, this crazy narcissistic yeah. sociopath yeah. who's actually very easily swayed because yeah. he doesn't have any strong convictions of his own. Anyway, who knows? But yeah. but it's, it feels like we're in this cycle of opportunity right now right. where, you know, these terrifying things are happening and apocalyptic thoughts coming in, but also tremendous opportunity for people with new ideas right. and new visions yeah. and strong points of view that feel more holistic and uh, just sound like better ideas. I think people are more open than ever yeah. to new ideas right now and radically unconventional ideas. Yeah, and cause, that's cause exciting. Because he's embodying the, 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 the old traditional conservative father knows best, you know, yeah. hierarchical BS that, that we're all so sick of. And he's causing people who were maybe on the fence before to yeah. decide that they too are sick of it. Yeah. And, and, and the people that were already progressive are like, okay, you know, I mean, even, even letting things fall off that they didn't realize were still traditional or still like in a negative sense, like not, not every, not not because everything's traditional, not yeah. because something's traditional doesn't mean it's bad, mm. but there are things that are traditional that need to freaking go away that, that are only there because they're traditional, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. No, I think that like the fact that... washing your that... hands before you eat is a good tradition, you know. Like, <laughs> right. But... <laughs> yeah. But no, it's a, it's a time where people, I think, are forced to radically reassess things, you yeah. know, like what they believe in what's meaningful to them and also realize that that we can't really be passive anymore because if we do we're contributing yeah to the disaster yeah <laughs> to the problem and so i'm grateful in some ways that you know trump was elected because he's causing people to rise up in the way that they wouldn't if hillary were elected even though she'd still be making the same kind of like yeah. you know war war you know right. decisions. yeah the blue states would be making excuses for her yeah. <laughs> you know, they'd like be we like, we're off to war. And it'd be like, well, you know, being president's complicated. Be just nice like, to her. Yeah, just like Obama. Right. You know, who was droning all those yeah. people and who got ended, ended up totally getting into bed with Wall Street because maybe there was no other option for him. I don't know. Right, yeah. But I can't see Bernie doing that in the same way. Right, which is probably why he didn't have a chance. Totally. But it is why Trump won, I guess. And, and now he's in bed with every all, yeah. the, all the crocodiles in the swamp. Oh, man. Yeah. It was sad watching, I mean... It, it's you know it divided it just I mean it was just ugly it was an ugly time totally no it's 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 not over yet though, and but, I, but some yeah. of the Bernie supporters went off and became Trump supporters and that was the weirdest thing it was like yeah. you really only want someone who doesn't have corporate interests and you don't care about anything else at all and you don't see any difference between Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump as oh, yeah. <laughs> like really <laughs> like how is well at wow. least the French people learned from our mistake yeah, yeah you know? that's true and didn't let Marine Le Pen, you yeah, know, get it, get in power. Thank God, but yeah. So I, I do think. I mean, I feel like there's tremendous opportunity right now. And for me, I feel like stories, uh, like the Source family and Unarius, who are this very, you know, beautiful metaphysical group who have a lot of, um, you know, they have like a very unusual style. And also, they they were such a prolific creative collective. You know, that kind of separates them from other. Uh, similar metaphysical groups that believe in reincarnation and clearing of karma and communication with spirit guides mm. who they call the space brothers you know um, benevolent extraterrestrials um, I just feel like there's a great opportunity for these stories to hit people in different ways and inspire them in their own ways yeah not necessarily to join right especially because the source family you can't join anymore yeah. Unarius you can join yeah though. yeah and I'm sure they'd like to talk to you you know they're they're <laughs> open and and love to share their teachings well there are a few people who've either been given um, names in the Source family by Jin or a few other people or, or who've proclaimed themselves new Aquarians of the Source family. 
I happen to be one of them. I love that. Yeah. I, I've got my name, too. What's, nice. What's your name? Pymander Aquarium. Ooh, Pymander. Did you give yourself that name? That was from Jin. Oh, Jin gave you Pymander. Mm-hmm. How apropos. Thank you. Well, what about yours? Uh, mine is Vision Way. Cool. Vision yeah. Way Aquarium. Vision Way. And it was pr- the first name Vision was given to me by Electra mm. in the family. But then Jin was like, oh, you need you need another name, Vision Way. I'm mm. going to add the way to it. How cool. Yeah. So, so and I like what Isis said, though, about people allowing themselves to give themselves their own names mm. because it, it speaks to the self-empowerment yeah. idea. I like that, you know. There if, are two people I know of that gave themselves names after hearing Isis say that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I mean, you know, to me, what I like about that idea is I love the idea of people calling themselves Aquarians right? and thinking of themselves as a family brothers and sisters, you know, because there are so many things that serve to separate us these days, especially after living through like the 90s and Mm. the early aughts and all of that compartmentalization that comes with um, the internet and all of us becoming experts on everything and Mm. knowing so much. It's very easy for people to sort of, you know, get into their little compartments and then not identify with people who actually have a lot of things that they can relate to if they just sort of like get outside of that. So... I think, you know, that's what I love about groups and communities. I just feel like community is just essential right now. Yeah. Friendships, family, anything that can get you to, you know, uh, bind each other together in Mm. positive ways, you know, so we can deal with this situation. Yeah. (laughs) This is a really, really critical time we're in right now. Especially, I think, um, I I mean, I I happen to have been born and raised in California, like six generations down one line. But I know a lot of people come to L.A. who don't agree with their families back home. Like, and that's mm-hmm. kind of why they came here. Yeah. And so, like, there needs to be communities mm-hmm. for people to be able to identify with, maybe maybe not permanently, but in order to become who they are or, like, to, to transition from, okay, you know, my family's really racist. I love them, but I'm going to leave... Alabama, wherever it is, I don't mean to pick on Alabama, yeah. but you know, like then and go come to LA, San Francisco, somewhere, mm-hmm. um, Asheville, North Carolina, someplace yeah. cool, you know, and yeah. uh, and and then, yeah, then what, you know, then who are you? Well, I came from Alabama, you know, it's like okay, you find a community, like uh, which, what do you identify with? You know, what what makes sense to you? Some people are coming from Christianity, but they're coming from, from a kind of Christianity or a way that it was presented where they want to get as far away from it as possible. And it's like, well, why don't you try the Hare Krishnas over here? You know, and then other people are coming from Christianity. They're like, I don't want to get too far away from Christianity. And yeah. that's where something like Golden Dawn mm. or, um, or even like the Source Family type thing, because they were exploring the mysteries. They yeah. weren't throwing out or the Unarius, mysteries. Or Unarius, because they, they encompass all of those They have the angels, religions. the archangels, and yeah. UFOs, yeah. and past lives, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Atlantis. Yeah. I mean, they've, 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 it's very theosophical in a way, but it goes way beyond that and really just allows for other religions to exist and be valid for the people, but their, their belief system sort of like... It sort of includes all of those within it in this interesting way, you know. But, I mean, to me, like, that's another really important theme with the work um, that I feel, you you know, that I want to be doing and that I am doing, and that's the idea of embracing the other. Mm. And so I really like these groups that, you know, the Source family, one of their flaws at the time, and I think they'll say this as well, was they got too much into the uh, Aquarian versus the Piscean. Right. <laughs> you know, so there's that, you got to think about that. Like, it's great to band yeah. together and find your community. It's like but the divided country. There's the progressives yeah. that are so progressive that the old, the parents back home in the red states just can't relate with them anymore. Well, exactly. And yeah. for me, like, I come from a, you know, I come from a very Christian background mm. and went to church every Sunday in my life. But I also, and I've got family on my mom's side of the family who are like, conservative Christians, Mm. born-agains, they are super right, you know, but they're also, I know them on a personal level, and they happen to be very loving people and caring people, and so for me, like, I've always been interested in reconciling, like, the fact that I have these loving, caring people whose political views I have nothing in common with, Mm. you know, very little in common with, and how do we coexist together, you know what I mean? Like, how do we find some common ground, you know, and usually that involves like you know wishing each other happy birthday getting together on christmas or you know what i mean Mm. just sort of tolerating each other's 
different ideas as quirks, you know, and, and I think that, you know, I really appreciate groups who have a sense of openness yeah. and diplomacy because I just feel like what's happening right now requires a lot of diplomacy for people to, you know, get outside of their comfort zone and be able to embrace people of other colors, nationalities, you know, religions, all right. of that stuff. So, you know. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. when, when, when a group is very closed in, in you know, in, I, obviously, in the past, mm. it made sense because you'd get persecuted. And in certain parts of the world today, it makes yeah. sense because you'd be persecuted. Yeah. But when a group exists in, like, let's say, Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and in today, yeah. and they're very, very closed and secretive, mm. that is very suspicious. Well, because, totally like, what is. are you hiding and what are you hiding yeah. from? Me, like, like why, wouldn't, why wouldn't you let us know what's going on with yeah. you? You know, like, like, what do you... Is it so far out that that it can't be compared to anything else? In that's what LA, I like. That's know? what I like about the Unarians. Like yeah. they have a very open point of view, and they're also very integrated in their communities. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the Unarians, a number of them have jobs, for example, where they're in healing positions, and the Source family people do too. A number of them have gone on to these sort of like holistic or healing paths. You know, there's a woman who's a reflexologist. There's in in the Unarius. There's a woman who works with um, cases of severe dementia. Mm. So she does music therapy with like oh, cool. adults who have Alzheimer's. And she said that because she has her teachings, you know, Unarius teachings and her link with the Space Brothers, <laughs> she's able to give special inspiration. She never tells anybody yeah. about her belief system or the Space Brothers, yeah. but she she's inspired by them. And she said that that's allowed her to do things like encounter an individual who the other people say this person hasn't spoken for six months wow. and she'll have them in 24 hours that person was singing mm. you know what i mean she's got techniques that have really helped her and but i like this the unarians because they were like good neighbors you know i feel like group metaphysical groups who whose uh, members are integrated in some way in society those are like the those are like the this they're like they're like the secret treasure mm. of America they're like the quiet Americans who like really help to hold the country together yeah. you know with love and because they've got rich inner worlds and a spiritual perspective that encourages um, personal responsibility mm. and um, you know thinking of things on a not just a global level but like a cosmic level yeah 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 making small choices and big choices based on a concept of oneness with the universe and oneness with nature and the world. I mean, what a concept. I mean, that's that's yeah. the opposite of all the people that are causing the problems are only thinking of themselves, their yep. families, their bank accounts. That's how I feel, and that's why I think it's really worth giving individuals and groups like that a voice yeah. and doing it in a creative way that draws in all kinds of people to yeah. watch. Yeah, because not everybody's into the Catholic Church. Uh -uh. Not everybody's into evangelism. You know, some people are going to be into this weird thing over here, you know. Yeah, and America's always been that way. Yeah. You know, like when you read, uh, you know, like Catherine Albanese, this, this writer, you know, she, I mean, talks about metaphysical America and how Christians back in like the 1700s and 1800s, they weren't all Puritans. A lot mm. of them got very mystical, mm. very esoteric and loose you know what I mean with these ideas and you know America has had metaphysical groups throughout time and there have been times when that that was really popular like in the the, the book that we did on Manly P. Hall mm. um, through Process Media the company that I had with Adam Parfrey um, you know the author Louis Sahagan talks about how back in the 30s like roughly a third of all people in Los Angeles were into metaphysical or esoteric belief systems or ideas. They were Freemasons or Rosicrucians. They were going to the Philosophical Research Society. They were members of the I Am movement. Mm. Like there were so Bills many. Adidum, yeah, uh, the Agape yeah. Lodge was here back those, then. Those were huge back then. Yeah. And people don't realize that even in the teens, it was a similar situation that some of the founding uh, forces of Hollywood, you know, like Rudolph Valentino, for mm. example, People don't realize that like the hugest megastar, you know, back in the silent era, had it written into his contract that he and his wife, who was um, uh, a production designer, and their director, their female director friend, there were a lot of women who were in positions of power in Hollywood back then, they all had it written into their studio contract that they were to set aside a certain amount of time every day to commune with their spirit guides. Mm. 
I mean, that was cool. like in a major Hollywood studio contract yeah. back then. I mean, it was very, so that's the other <laughs> thing. Like, our, our world goes through cycles of, of, you know, people wanting a more direct relationship with the cosmos. Yeah. And then people wanting a more materialistic, re you know, relationship. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was talking to someone the other day, um, actually Silence Aquarian. He's another, oh. another new Aquarian. Um, Haven't met him yet. He, um, <laughs> his name's Robbie. He, he's, oh. he's on, he's one of the links I sent you. Great. He uh, recently, my friend Liam was given the name Gnosis Aquarian Gnosis. by Jin. Nice. Both of them were named by Jin. Uh-huh. And, um, and Silence is an expert in Gnosticism, Ooh. and Gnosis knows nothing about it, so I'm going to get the three of us together and we're going to do an episode where we talk about Gnosticism. Ooh, cool. Gnosis. I can't wait to hear that That'll one. That'll be cool. Yeah. But I was talking to him, and he was talking about Kentucky and how, in a particular you know, uh, microcosm of the world, as it were, the, uh, the wealthier people who were more serious, business-minded were Presbyterian, and the more poor people, more down-to-earth people were more uh, Pentecostal, like more into the magic and into the speaking in tongues mm. and stuff like that. And he was asking why I thought that was. And off, just off the top of my head, I was thinking that you can't serve both God and money. And the whole system of money is a form of magic. And it, but it's someone else's form of magic. Mm. And so, you know, sometimes I'll you know, be talking to certain kinds of people. They don't, they're not interested in my magic talk. They want to know about the bottom line. What are we going to do about this number here? Because they've, they're completely under the spell of that money spell yeah you know so they don't have room for any other magic oh that's so interesting father yeah. yod thought you could do both at the same time yeah. though he talked well, if to, you're smart I, if you can yeah play you have to it. be smart though you got to yeah. be really conscious about it i mean i think that you know he saw money in the same way he saw sex and the same way um you know we could see the internet for example like you either you can it's it's a very powerful tool that you can either utilize consciously mm. for for growth or, or, or you become a slave yeah, you yeah. become a slave to it and and i definitely see money magic and the sex. internet in the same and sex yeah. in the same way yeah because magic is kind of the same way in, or in pleasure way. of any kind i guess ma magic's more conscious but yeah 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 pleasure like i enjoy this i want more you know it's like no just enjoy it and then be co be okay without it afterward you know like yeah. dude <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's how you like the buddhist detachment you know like yeah, Source Family, like Father Yod called money the green energy. Mm. So he treated it as an energy like anything else that could be managed, you yeah. know, and thoughtfully. I appreciate that he had, that people who lived the, with him worked at the restaurant. Like, that seems like the way to do it. I've had people live at my house uh -huh. just for, you know, oh, sure, live here. But then <laughs> after a year, I'm like, get the fuck out, yeah. you know, like, like, but yeah, like ha he, he wanted an equal exchange. He didn't, he didn't give charity. That's one yeah. thing, you know. He, th he was like, you know, I don't want to weaken you by giving you a dollar, you know. Yeah, and so, well, some people have a problem with these groups who everybody comes and pools their resources. Like, mm. they're living communally. The Soros family live community, and a lot of people, communally, a lot of people, you know, outsiders I would talk to over the years would be like, well, did they give him all their money? Mm. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. groups have done that through time memorial who have right. lived communally. And in the Source family's case, he was the one who had the most money. Yeah. You know, but he basically gave his restaurant to the family to support the family. And then many of the people who came in were, you know, 22 years old and maybe had like a beat up, you know, a sedan yeah. <laughs> to give or maybe a guitar or something. But not many of them had a lot of money. Right. You know, except for... Damascus, the Hungarian mobster, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> he funded a lot of the oh, family's cool. adventures, but if we ever do a television series, those stories will come out. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> any other projects? You, any or anything you want to mention before we close up? Yes, I'm doing. Um, I'm 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 turning the Unarius short into a documentary, which mm -hmm. I'm really excited about. And then let's see if this comes out. It's May 18th, so okay. I don't I don't know when you're going to be releasing this. Probably later today. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, for anybody in Los Angeles, um, there's this incredible show right now that I participated in. Um, I curated a room with my partner, Charlie Kitchings, who's working with me on the Source Family Archive as well. Mm -hmm. And it's a room of Unarius artwork. How cool. And costumes. Uh, their films are showing. Their incredible spirit-guided paintings and these remarkable photographs and ephemera. They're all showing as part of a show called The Basilisk which is at Nicodem Gallery downtown. So it's N-I-C-O-D-I-M Gallery, and that's up until the end of May, and it's a really extraordinary show with many metaphysical artists in it. So I highly recommend you check it out. And, um, and yeah, keep your eyes peeled for the 
the Unarius documentary and contact me for the TV show Yay. if you're a group. Yes, if you or anyone you know is in a visually stunning, especially... <laughs> uh, especially, but not, it doesn't have not to Not required. Be. Yes. Commune, alternate lifestyle, utopia type thing. Yeah. Thank you very much for being our guest on the Esoteric Thank Nerd Podcast. Thank you so much. It's a thrill it's a to, to be here and so so great to speak with you. Likewise. Thank you, Jody Willie, for being our guest on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast tonight. Special thanks to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofuku Inn for the music you're hearing right now, as well as to Tangerine Dream for the album Ricochet, which played in the background of the Transformations and Footnotes segment. Special thanks to Camille and Kennerly, who play the harp intro and outro to the interviews themselves. And most importantly, thank you to you, the Esoterra Nerd listening to this podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Good night.